Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You know the difference between hockey and those other sports? You gotta be tough to be a hockey I idolized Dominic Kaczyk. I played goalie because of Dominic Kaczyk. My life in hockey has been started because of Sabres hockey. I didn't need playoffs this year. I wanted it, but I didn't need it. But when you screw up for the fans as much as the team has over the last, like, five years, and just don't hold yourself accountable, I'm sorry. I'll hang up and listen. I'm sorry. Welcome to Two Goalies, One Mike, an in-depth look and behind-the-mask conversation about the greatest game on earth, where everything goes and nothing's off limits. Now I'll tell you something about this guy. This is only three minutes, eh? Whammo! Welcome, everybody, to episode 132 of Two Goalies, One Mike. I am Wayne, here joined by... Curls, and hopefully soon, Johnny Cullen, we will have to wait and see. Um, but I digress. A uh, lot, lot to talk about. Um, specifically, uh, as you pointed out in uh, when we were texting yesterday, Connor, uh, the latest from Matthew Fairburn from The Athletic and his uh, roster projections and kind of did a deep dive in the depth of the team and what to expect for next season. Yeah, I think it's that time of year that – I think getting into that discussion is a good thing to do because it seems pretty clear that the guys that they have right now are going to be the guys that are there opening night. And the line discussions, I think, is a, is a good conversation to, to start at. Um, I think we all know who the top line is going to be. It was one of the best lines in the league last year in Tage, uh, Alex Tuck, and Jeff Skinner. They have a lot, of diff- a lot of chemistry they produced at an incredible rate last season. I think they were a top five, top five, number one line in the league last season. I don't think anyone thought that was going to happen. So no. starting starting right there, I think is a great place to to go. Like I, I guess the question comes down to: Is there any type of discussion of breaking them up? I personally say no, given how well they play together. But I think it's at least worth discussing. Like, what would you do if you were to even it out a little bit? Yeah, I. Uh... There's no chance in hell, I think, that you're breaking up that top line unless they just randomly really struggle. I, I, uh, I They were the third highest scoring team in the National Hockey League last season, second highest scoring in the, in, in the division, um, in my opinion, possibly the toughest, toughest division in hockey. Um, while I don't think it got insanely better, um, it also just didn't think it got worse. <laughs> And, you know, I mean, outside of I don't see the Bruins repeating what they did last season. I don't see much changing, at least from the landscape of uh, of the a division, other than, again, maybe maybe Boston falling off, depending on what other moves they decide to make here in the offseason. But, uh, yeah, I, I, there's no way you break up that line. Uh, every team, every team that if you're expected to contend for the playoffs, you need that stud first line where, you know, you can almost depend on them to create opportunities and scoring chances every single time they're on the ice. 
and keep the defense, uh, the other team pinned in their own end. And that's what that line did consistently last year. Yeah, uh, I, I agree. I mean, I think we've seen what Tage can do at center. Uh, the creativity that Alex Tuck has on the wing and also the goal scoring capability he has combined with Tage's, Tage's playmaking himself. And then we know what Jeff Skinner's good at. He's good at scoring goals, and he also has an element of uh, playmaking creativity himself. So I think all three players really, really feed off of each other, and yeah. they know each other's tendencies. They know where each other's going to be. You saw all of the incredible goals that they scored. Like, they're not just scoring, like, garbage goals in front of the net. They're scoring no. highlight real goals from all three guys, maybe less so Jeff Skinner because he's being set up and he doesn't necessarily have – that type of skating and stick handling ability that Tuck and Thompson do. But the three of them together are producing some of the more insane goals in the history of this franchise uh, over the past season and a half. So to take that type of ability away from the top line, I think would be a disservice to all of them. I think they all like playing together. I think it's reinvigorated Jeff Skinner's love for the game. Uh, You saw how happy he was doing in between two stalls last season, like his personality is coming out. We all love to see him smile and him being on a line with two 25 year olds who are as talented as Tage Thompson and Alex Tuck is the best possible thing that could have made his $9 million a year contract actually worth it. Like after what happened with Ralph, Ralph Kruger, putting him to the fourth line, benching him, scratching him, uh, publicly trashing him. I don't think, any of us thought that Jeff Skinner's $9 million a year contract for the next four or five seasons was potentially ever going to be worth it again. But the way he's playing and the way he's projecting and especially who his line mates are now, it legitimately will be worth it if he keeps up this pace. So I think we can all agree that that's a really, really good thing. And I don't think he's going to be like Kyle Ocposo age when that contract is up with too. They no. still probably have a couple good years left in him. No. And the way he plays, like he's like, just, he's a grinder. Yeah, he's healthy, and he scores goals, and he's a he's a durable guy. He hasn't missed many games in his career, and you see him get in there. You see him to get get into scuffles. Uh, he thrives on getting under people's skin. He's like the toughest guy on that line. Uh, so it's it's the, it's, it's the perfect dude. line. He's a scrappy guy. It's the perfect line. You can't break it up. So I think all of us can just rest easy at night, knowing that. Uh, Skinner, Tage, and Tuck will be together, and you can just write home about that one and not worry about it. I mean, he's 31. Uh, birthday is – he'll be 32 in September. Wait, no, no, actually, no, sorry. That's not his birthday. His birthday is in May. No, so he will hit 1,000 games by the age of 30 – at the age of 31. As long, knock on wood, he plays this entire season. He will hit 1,000 games. Coming from, uh, coming from a guy who just turned 31 that this past Thursday, that that means a lot. Happy belated birthday, bud! Thank you. I got a I got a shutout three zero on my 31st birthday last week. Actually. Cool. My team lost six to one. Six to two. <laughs> well, at least like be happy for me there because that was nah, a men's league shut a men's league shutout doesn't come around that often. No, they're and, tough to uh, come by, they're, especially they're at age 31. Because like I consider that I think actually like in all sports, like once you hit 30 run, you're in the twilight of your career, no matter what sport you're playing. Uh, maybe not in golf, but just about every other major sport, you can consider your 31st season or your 30 age 31st season to be like, oh, I'm out of my prime now, you know? So at least mentally for me, that was nice. But 
from Jeff Skinner's perspective, I don't see him slowing down for them at least the next no. three or four seasons. I uh, I made an absolute – even though we lost, I made a highlight reel ESPN top 10 glove save uh, uh, Sunday night too. Well, windmill? Uh, it, it, no, no, no. So um, they had a kid that was an absolute – you know, uh, this is a team we normally beat, you know, a lot to a little. But, you know, they play hard and, you know, always a fun game uh, when we play the pylons. But um, good group of guys. You never have issues with them. You know what I mean? Like just really laid back guys, but um, they had they they had a ringer this time around, an absolute ringer, hands down. I would say easily the best skater, overall player, probably in our in our entire league. You know, in the uh, weekend day division, I don't even think that's even you know, kid the kid like he was like the Sidney Crosby of men's league. <laughs> like he just was he skated through everybody, flipping the puck up on his stick, tapping it around, like. He, anything he could do, he did it at will. It was just yeah. wild. And we play, you know, we have a pretty good team. Um, we don't ever play up to our potential, but, you know, it's men's league. <laughs> I would say it felt, watching us play on Sunday night, it felt like half our team was either just not engaged at all and maybe the other half was drunk. Like, it was yeah. bad. It was like lopsided skate and shoot in my end, which is very abnormal for when we play these guys. But whatever. Um, I had him on a breakaway earlier in the game. And he essentially, the move he made, I brought my gloves out and kept them low and pushed him to, you know, he pushed me on my blocker side. I went with him and I took everything away from him. He had nothing. He was waiting, 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 had nothing. And then he tried to take it around the net. But like, I took that shot opportunity away from him. It's not like he was getting pushed from behind. Like he was trying, trying to get me to open up. I didn't. I stayed with him, pushed over my blocker side. He had nothing, gave him nothing. Uh, tried to curl around the backside of that as I was, you know, obviously down and my trailing defenseman uh, put an end to that. So he gets another breakaway. Similar move. And I'm waiting for it. I'm, I'm anticipating he's going to do the same thing. But the kid cuts on a dime and goes to my glove side. And out of desperation, I'm like trying to adjust. I couldn't. So I'm essentially doing a, a, a pad stack. And I just throw my glove out like this as far as I can. And I felt the puck hit the webbing and I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. He shot that into my glove. You gotta be fucking kidding me. Granted it was luck. I mean, you always need a little bit of luck, but I reached as far over as I possibly could when I realized what, it, what was happening. And literally their entire team thought they scored. They all thought they scored. They went to center ice and the refs kind of looking. I was like, pucks in his glove guys. Like, face offs down here. Not, not, not center ice. So that best was feeling, best feeling in the world. Yeah. And the, he actually came up to me in between periods like, bro, like how the hell did you stop that? Like I thought, I thought the puck went in the net. Like I'd even pick my head up. I thought it was in the net. And I'm like, no, nope, it's in the glove. Desperation. Never, never get up. Dominic Ashik taught us that. No, man, it was, it was, it was, it was, it was a, it was a gnarly save for sure, but meant nothing. Cause we lost. And, uh, uh, I would say I wouldn't say this normally about my boys, but it was a piss poor effort. That was for sure. Um, anyways, uh, yes. So we go right back into it. Uh, that top line untouched. You keep it the same. Um, and then obviously this is where things get a little bit more tougher. And as Matthew Fairbird, you know, went into it with his uh, second line projection, he projected Dylan Cousins centering both JJ Paterka and Casey Middlestat, which. 
I'm fine with, but I thought he had his, even though he's very versatile, he can play all over the, he can play it on the wing or at center. I thought he was more uh, successful down the middle. So we'll see if that is what ends up happening. Um, but he yeah, was- so I think this gets in the, in, into the discussion of who replaces Jack Quinn, right? Um, and I think it's a it's a it's a two pronged discussion because that line normally is the kid line, and we would like to see yep. them develop another year. And I think that's a pretty solid second line. Obviously, with Cousin centering JJ Paterka and Jack Quinn, they had some really really strong moments together last year, but they also had a little bit of growing pains given that it was comprised of two rookies and a third year player. So, I think putting Middlestad on that line, I think, is a really good idea for a lot of reasons. Number one, uh, Casey Middlestat had 17 points in his last 11 games. Correct. Uh, both playing with uh, Tage Thompson and, and Jeff Skinner on that top line. Obviously, he got more opportunity with better players. So you saw what he could do with the confidence he already created last season and also playing with better players. So you put him with a guy like Dylan Cousins. You put him with a guy like J.J. Paterka, who is the fastest guy on the team, can, can create his own opportunities and opportunities for other people. And you can, can and you continue to see what Casey Middlestack can do with better talent around him. I think up until this point in his career, he's been kind of stuck on that third and fourth line. And he's been playing with guys that he has been trying to feed with his playmaking skills, but haven't been able to been haven't been able to put the puck in the net. So I think you put him in the best opportunity to succeed as you possibly can, given what you saw the production from him when you did that at the end of last season. I personally think that's a really, really good idea. And I hope they do that to begin the season. I think he, I think he was one of the best players or, uh, you know, v- very best players at prime pr- primary assists, uh, five on five. Yeah. Per 60. Like he, per 60. Yep. He had 59 points in 82 games and he's the only guy in the team that played all 82 games last season. Yep. So that says something about one of the biggest knocks on him is durability, right? Like he was so always seen as like with him. Yeah, like he's always seen as like this smaller guy, and like you got to know over the summer he's working on getting stronger and faster, which are his two biggest knocks. Yeah, um, I, I don't think anybody's questioning his playmaking ability, and he also put the puck in the net at a, at a much higher rate than he than he did previously. So yep. I think giving him the best line mates possible, obviously, it's not going to happen with Skinner and Tuck, but yeah, I, I think it's a really good idea to put him with Cousins and Paterko to start the year. Yeah, I. Uh... Couldn't agree with you. I, I say I shouldn't say I couldn't agree with you more, because that leads me to my next question. Victor Olafson. I know he projected him to uh, play alongside Krebs, and I believe it was Greenway on the third line. Yep. But I think this is I think this is what I was getting to with that two pronged discussion yeah. of who replaces Jack Quinn. Exactly. I'll let you. I'll let you. I'll let you. Get but that's what I'm saying. Like Victor yeah. Olafson also replaces Jack Quinn. Right, because had Jack Quinn been healthy, he would have been on that second line, and then Middlestat would have played with Krebs and Jordan Greenway. So now that this opportunity has presented itself, right, like you have to figure that they tried to trade him and the market wasn't good enough, or the return that they wanted wasn't there, uh, given like what his salary is or anything else related to that discussion. So now that you have him and you're kind of stuck with him, it seems like. I think you give him an opportunity on that third line and you see how the season starts. If you see the type of production that you did earlier, earlier in the season last year, where he was scoring at a relatively high rate and he was playing well, then 
his trade value has never been higher. Obviously, he's not projecting as a long-term piece in your organization right now, right? So is his five-on-five game, his five-on-five in defensive game would have to dramatically take a complete 180. For sure. And I think he knows what he needs to improve on, but it just doesn't seem like he's that type of player. So you put him on that third line with two pretty good players in Krebs and Jordan Greenway. You put him on the second power play unit, and you see if he can continue to do what he does best, which is his one-timer from the right side of the right side of the hash there. Correct. And then if he gets you 15, 20 goals by the trade deadline, that's a pretty good trade piece for a, for a playoff team or some team in the Western Conference that needs to add that type of guy to their roster. And by I that point, more, I think he had more goals than that at this past trade deadline. Yeah, I'm sure he did because there was there was a point in November to December where he, I think he had like a 25, 30 game scoreless job. Um, so, yeah, I think you give him the opportunity, see what he can do, and if not, you either cut him or trade him. I I, I I'm pulling up because uh, you know they'll give you you know game by game stats. I'm just I, I now that I bring that up. I'm just curious, like, where was he? It's a trade deadlines in the beginning of November, I believe, correct? Well, trade deadline for, for the NHL is um, beginning of March. I'm not, I'm not sorry, not, not November. Um, it is uh, beginning of March. March, yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. I apologize. I don't know why I thought November. Um, just curious. So, in March... Let me see. Started the season, and like I said, he there was there was a point where he went on a complete tear. Uh, season started. Why? Okay, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. So, beginning of March, we'll say the sixth of March is right around roughly where the trade deadline was. He's only had one, two, three, four, five, five goals. So he finished the season with 28 goals. So if you were looking at a 23 to 25 goal scorer going into next year's trade deadline, that's a first round pick for a desperate team. Yeah, but I, I don't think they expect to get a first round pick for Victor Olison. Especially I mean, given, especially given his contract, especially given like I think around the league, everybody knows what type of player he is. He's kind of a one-trick pony. Um, so I, I really don't believe they're expecting. I don't know, like, I, I don't know man. Paul Gostad got a first-round pick, and yeah. I can score more fifteen goals. I mean, that, I, I mean, I, I think all of us. I think even Rasmus Ristolainen getting a first-round pick was yeah, one of the I, biggest I, steals I, I, in NHL history. If we I get a first-round pick for Victor Olofsson, that would be wild. I don't think it'd be that wild. I do, uh, but I only—that's only, only going to happen if he scores twenty-five goals. Which teams I don't think always is. overpay at the yeah. deadline. They will we'll always see. overpay. It really depends on the need and the fit, right? Like if there's a team that like had a guy get injured, for instance, on their first power play unit, and they need a guy on the right hash, or they need a guy to fulfill that type of role. Like maybe a specific type situation would be good for that, but like. Victor Olsson getting a first round pick, I think, would be really, really crazy. Regardless, though, like that's best case scenario. Yeah, I, it would be best case scenario, or and like a premium player back in return. Yeah, and for instance, like you ship him out, Jack Quinn comes in, that opens room for maybe Kulik down the stretch, uh, <laughs> maybe Matthew Savoy. Who knows? Um, I just think that like playing now that you've tried to get rid of him and you couldn't, 
and you have an open spot in your forward group, given that you didn't bring anyone in, I think giving him this opportunity, what's the worst thing that could happen? He's the same player you thought he was and you trade him anyway, or you cut him. Um, I think that giving him this opportunity on the third line, or maybe even the second line, putting mitts with Krebs and, and Greenway, I think giving him an opportunity to do what he does best, which is score goals, is not the worst thing in the world. Yeah. I, I just, for me personally, I just think that teams will always overpay at the deadline, especially for a guy who can put the puck in the net. And, for sure. Um, but I, I, I think, like, that line of Greenway, Krebs, and Olofsson is a pretty well-rounded line. Like, we've seen the type of game that Peyton Krebs plays now. He's has a much more physical presence than he used to. You know what type of passer he is. Even Fairburn said in his article, he's probably the best passer on the team. Yeah. Um, Jordan Jordan Greenway, another year in Donnie's system. He's six foot six. He's going to give you that physical game that you need on the third line, and he can also score some goals will, as well. I would say you need more from more more from Greenway because he didn't you, get and, a lot of physical playoffs. And I think that's that's why they they traded for him, right? Because they didn't have that type of player on the roster yet. So. Yeah. Hopefully he enhances his physical game. So you've got a playmaker, you've got a physical presence, and then you've got a guy that's good at scoring goals. So those three together on your third line, obviously it's not the best third line in the league, but I don't think anyone expected our third line to be one of the best third lines in the league. Those three guys together potentially could find some chemistry. Like I honestly believe that. I hope that's so. I th- you sound a little I'm, – I'm not as optimistic as you. When no, but like that's-, that's kind of what we have right now, right? Unless yeah. you bring it, unless you start with Savoy or Kulik instead of Olafson, but then you're ha- then you have four point five million on your bench. I mean, I I don't know I don't know I just the team the the lead, the game is just so much built on speed. I'm not saying those guys are slow, but hands down, Peyton Krug's the quickest guy on that on that line. Yeah, like, Olafson right. is really much known for his speed, and Greenway again isn't. I'm not saying he's slow, I, but he's big, he's bulky. I would say though, you make up you make up the speed with the other three lines. You'd hope so. You would hope so. Like that second that second line aside from Middlestad is one of the fastest lines in the league. I just think um, that if that if that line is if that if that line is gonna succeed, it's not gonna be in transition. It's gonna be getting pucks deep, digging di, di, uh, winning battles and getting pucks, you know, into the danger areas in front of the net. For That's sure. where I think that team that that line will be successful. It's but, not going to be built on speed. That is no. Sure. But you you saw how good Krebs was at that specific thing yes. later in the year, like getting into the corner and making plays out front. Like Olafson can park himself in the slot on that line for all we care. Uh, Greenway and Krebs can get down low, hopefully forecheck and win some puck battles and get it over to Olafson, who hopefully can do what he does best at a high rate. So I really don't mind it. And then you get to the fourth line, which I think we all know what it's going to be given the deals that they signed this offseason. All one-year deals, they all bought in to come back for that specific role with Tyson Jost centering Kyle Oposo and Zemgis Gergensons. I think a lot of fans are kind of sick of seeing Gergensons and Oposo like in the exact same role on the team again. They've been there for so long. But when you look at the underlying numbers of what they do best, which is be responsible defensively, on a team that's not very responsible defensively, that type of role is needed from those guys. And, and I've said this, I've said this about Gergensen's a couple times. I'm just like, I understand the frustration with Akposo. You kind of thought this might be his final year. I get why they bring him back. You know, he's good in the room. 
I just can't imagine he is a full-time player this season. You can't expect that from him. I mean, if he's healthy, and I mean, that's saying a lot given his concussion history and everything else. He's He's slow. He's objectively slow. But the defensive responsibility, especially in your own zone, from your forward group, is a big deal. Like these guys, like, of course, you you want them to create more chances than they're giving up. Like, of course, we don't want them to be hemmed in their own end the entire game. But they proved last season that they can get pucks deep, that they can grind out grind out a four check, and they're kind of good at what they do. They're not going to give oh. you they're not going to give you 25, 30 goals, but they were responsible defensively last season. Yeah, but he's and also a lot for a team that you're older. He's also a year older now. I, no, I just, sure. I, I, I mean, I, so is Gergensen's who's not necessarily the youngest guy of the group, but I think like no. Tyson Jost also is a lot younger and he has some energy and he compliments those two guys. Well, so of course, well, it's would, not- I would say you would hope that Jost fills in, for what Krebs was on that line for so long. For sure. And I mean, you saw some offensive upside from him last season too. Yeah, for sure. So I think that, I mean, even Oposa talked about it. He even said like, he wants to find more opportunities. He still has a good shot. Like he oh, had a few goals. That. He he had a few goals last season that I think took a lot of people by surprise, but like he still has offensive talent. He's just as slow as molasses. So I think, um, of course, like it'll be pretty apparent in the first two months if he doesn't have it, right? And if he yeah. doesn't have it, you have a guy like Yuri Kulik you can bring up. You have a guy like Lucas Rusak or maybe even Savoy before he goes to um, the World Juniors. Uh, I think you kind of play it by ear and you have options. But mm-hmm. at least starting that with your dependable fourth line is not the worst thing in the world. No, I just – there were there were a more than a handful of times last season. I watched every just about every game. I'd say – out of 82 games, whether I was there live or at home watching it, I watched probably 80 out of 82 games. You know what I mean? Yep. Whether it was at 7 o'clock in the morning on replay, you know, from an 11 o'clock, 10 o'clock start, whatever it was the night before. Like, I watched pretty much every game. And there was more than a handful of times where Kyle would have three or four steps on the guy on a back check, and he would get beat to the puck every time. Or – you know, in a race for the puck in the offensive zone, and he would get beat to the puck every time. That's what worries me with him. Um, being a year older, I'm not taking away from what he can do offensively. He's a big body. He plays physical. He stands up for his teammates. He's everything you want in a captain. And I don't take away from that at all. Because you're playing devil's advocate. Like, that is invaluable on any team. But, I just don't see him playing, even if he stays healthy, in 82-game season this year. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he didn't either, to be honest, uh, given his age. And and it's I mean, not bad, a bad thing to have him on a pitch count. but No. No, absolutely. I mean, load management or what have you, like, I think that line – everyone always said, like, if we lost Gergensen's, like, imagine him on a playoff team, on a fourth line for a Bruins yeah. or the Avalanche or, like – any of these teams we expect to be there at the end, or even the Golden Knights. Like he's the type of player that does well in the playoffs. Yep. And these are the ty- even Tyson Jost. Like these are the guys we're gonna need. Even Jordan Greenway. Like that physical presence uh, that the first couple lines don't really have. And it was so, even said. It was even said. It reported that 
Gergensen's had offers from other teams for multiple years, and he chose Buffalo. And that says a lot about his character and what what this sure. I mean, team. He got drafted by the team. He's been there forever, and he wants to see this team get to the playoffs. And and here and here's another thing too is to your point before, if you don't bring back Gergensen's, you're either a filling that slot in with a rookie, you know, much like you did with you know Krebs. Uh, the previous year and a half, or you go find another guy much like Gergensen, who's one of the best. And there's no arguing it. He, I, yes, he does not put the puck in the net, but there's zero arguing. He is one of the best defensive forwards in the national hockey league. Good penalty killer, defensively responsible. He's a guy that the Sabres need right now. And we can get into the defense later, but he yep. supports the defense. They yep. are somewhat reliable against another team's top line. Uh, they start the game pretty often because I don't know how good Tyson Jost is at, at draws. I think we talked about last season, face-offs were absolutely horrible. But the combination of these four guys, you would have to hope that their percentages are going to be a little bit better. Like Tage Thompson, I think, is coming into his center, uh, aside from all of the other things he does, you got to think he's going to start to be better at draws, given his hand-eye coordination and his skill level. They're going to practice this. And hopefully Dylan Cousins is a tough guy, and he's pretty good at it. Like Peyton Krebs, obviously he's not the most experienced centerman, but like you got to think all four of these guys know that they were not the best last season, and they're going to improve. So I don't know. I think a lot of the defensive responsibility starts there, and then you move out. Um, but I think overall it's going to be better than it was last season. Yeah. So, you know, and you're like, you know, going back to Gergensen's, like you, like you said, you're going to, you're going to replace Gergensen's with a guy like Gergensen's. Um, if yeah. he, if he scores 20 goals a season, he's in the conversation for the Selkie every year. Absolutely. This, right. this, you know, yeah. I mean, not Patrice Bergeron, but he's in that conversation every single year. Unfortunately, Unfortunately he does not, not score 20 goals a season, <laughs> but think, he'll get you, he'll get you nine or 10 maybe. Yeah. Um, and that's fine. I, I expect Oposa to potentially get 15, Joe's to get 15. I expect hopefully 30 points from each guy, and that's all you can ask for from the fourth uh, line. Offensively. line. Absolutely. Yeah. So now, going back to that second, third line, we spoke up. Dylan Cousins has had a lot of experience growing up playing already with Peyton Krebs. I personally think there is uh, honestly an opportunity there where he would maybe get an opportunity up there on the second line. I mean, you, you theoretically could switch Krebs and Middlestat and put Middlestat in between Greenway and Olofsson, but I think that kind of takes away from Middlestat's ceiling a little bit. Um, I think the ceiling is higher for Middlestat playing with better players than it would be I for Krebs. I with you, but he also played well in, a, in third line roles last season. Yeah, for sure. He and like he's, he's, a pretty, well he's a pretty line. He's a pretty good centerman, and he would be a good playmaker for Olofsson and, and Greenway, obviously. But I think that's a good discussion to have, right? Because, like, yeah. Krebs is a very capable capable center, so is Middlestat. And you could interchange both guys if you really need to. You know how, like, how much Donnie moves around to his lines. Like, yep. if either line isn't working, I think those six guys are, like, at least slightly interchangeable. And let's say the first line is, is humming along and these, those other two lines aren't doing that well. You could make changes within those three lines to switch up the chemistry and try something mm-hmm. new, or even bring in a guy like Rusek or a guy like Savoy to bring a or Kulik to bring in a, a boost of energy. Um, 
the, the best thing possible is that there are options and there are way more options than a forward group for the Sabres have had in a very long time. Good options, like got options that have already played in the league, not guys that you're just like throwing a dart at the wall. Like you guys that you can like honestly rely on in a lot of different situations. Yeah. yeah. Um, one last question before we get into the defense too. And I guess like if you're going to try and compare it, you know, the bill season's right around the corner, you know, get ready for training camp. Um, I've had fun talking about the four groups and the possibilities, but I think this team offensively is going to be a lot more exciting two or three years from now, maybe even the following year when these players, these young players that we have are ready to make the jump to, to pro when you have Kulik and Savoy here and maybe even Benson. Um, what scares me about this being the lineup that we go into next season with is we saw how much injuries hurt us last year when they did happen when Tage Thompson was not the same player post all-star break. Cause he hurt his, I think it was his back. I want to say it was his back or was it his back? Yeah, it was his back. A back injury going into the all-star break. And then there was another small thing that was lingering with him. Even after the fact, Darlene's injury, what scares the shit out of me. And you could say this about the bills last season when they lost Von Miller, how dramatically it can change a team is what if you lose one of your two big dogs in Tage or Darlene? You know, we saw what happened with this team with Eichel when he got hurt in practice. We didn't even play the game yet. He got, uh, you know, tied up with Gergensen's during a drill, and it was uh, an ankle sprain, and he was out. And people say that might have been the reason why Tim Murray lost his job because of all the expectations of that season, and he did nothing to address it to start the year. Um, Is this team a Tage or Darlene injury away from complete disaster? I mean, I think you could say that for almost any team in the league. Like, if you lose your one or two best players, like, I don't think any team or any organization is prepared for that. You never want that to happen. If the Bills lost Josh Allen, the season is over. Yeah, season's over. If the Bills – if the, I think the good part about the Sabres is that – the good part about hockey is that if the Sabres lost Tage Thompson, Dylan Cousins is your number one center. You put Mitz as your number two, Krebs as your number three, and then you fill in the roster with more depth than you've had in a long time. Like you have these prospects, you have the AHL, you have these guys that can slot in. Dylan Cousins could be a number one center for a lot of teams in the NHL. Like that's where his projection is. And the fact that the Sabres have two potentially number one centers for the next seven to 10 years is a luxury. So I think Tage, of course, that would be horrible, but – Dylan Cousins can slot into that role and you'd be fine. Yeah. Rasmus Dahlin gets hurt. Obviously horrible. But Owen Power is a potentially number one star defenseman. You slot him in and now you also have 10 NHL defensemen under contract. Obviously, they're not going to go into the season like that because you can't can't have that. A trade is going to happen and who knows what that trade is going to be for. Hopefully, maybe they bring in more forward depth. Maybe another goalie. We'll see. Um... But I think the cool part about it is that, especially with your top two players, obviously Tage and Dallin, you have younger guys right below them that could slot into those roles. Like the season is not over if Tage Thompson goes down for two months. The season's not over if, if Rasmus Dallin goes down for two or three months. Of course, it's horrible and you don't want that to happen. But 
I think there is enough depth there and there is enough skill up and down the roster that hasn't been there for a long time. So to answer your question, no, it's not doom and gloom. It's not as doom and gloom as a Josh Allen or Stefan Diggs injury would be. Okay. Um, you answer my question. I just, I think that you just don't replace what Tage Thompson does. with Dylan No, you, you don't, but it's, um, it's not as bad as it would have been in the past. Okay. Yeah. It's just, it worries me because granted, yes, offensively, um, we were one of the better teams in the league last year. Uh, obviously, defensively, it's a different story. But I think so much was generated from that top line, and those three pieces just work so well together that if the biggest piece of those three goes down, can Dylan Cousins carry that weight? And you know, because he's a much different player than Tage Thompson. He just is. Yep. You know, Tage Thompson has you know hands gifted with unbelievable hands and unbelievable shot. Whereas Dylan does have, does have, had the ability to, you know, to score, you know, score a highlight goal, goal here or there, but he really, you know, you know, gets into those dirty areas of the, of the game. And that's how he honestly scores a lot of, you know, from, you know, below the face off dots gets into those areas that not he, many players. He like also that. had a lot of highlight real goals himself. He did. Oh, like, he did. I think he like did. that, that goal against, I forget it was I think maybe the Senators uh where he was on the two on where he was on two on one and a forward was on D and he toe drags around the guy yeah. and goes top sh- shelf. The overtime goal against the Islanders where he bats it out of midair on a breakaway and scores on Sorokin. Like the dude is only gonna get better. Like he had sixty eight yeah. points, I think. Yeah, sixty eight points in his third third full season in the league. Uh and you can just tell he's like we call him the workhorse from Whitehorse. He's only going to get stronger. Yeah. And I honestly believe he's going to develop into a one yeah. B into a one B center in the National Hockey League. He might already already even be that. Yeah. He, he I I put him around probably thirty five to forty goals next season. But I guess I, I wasn't trying to take away from saying he's not a skilled player. But when you compare him to Tage, yeah, he's just a different player, type of player. They're just two way different types of players. Yeah. But I, yeah. I think he's a he's a point per game guy. Yeah, so uh, fashionably late. Um, actually, he's not even there right now. No, I'm here. I, I didn't know if you had me. I was going to get my phone. Yeah, no, uh, fashionably late as ever. Uh, Johnny Collin will join the show. Uh, it, it was a very important phone call if that makes it any better, like potential job and implications down the road. No, it's fine. It's fine, bud. It's fine. It's career advancement phone call, Dwayne. There hey. we go. It's all, it's all good, Cowards. We're we're just getting into the just getting into the defense here. Oh, you guys! I was cleaning out. I had to shampoo uh, the carpets, and look at this beauty I found. We made this. Then when I coached that Thunder Junior A team for the player of the game, what do you give it? You, you know how across the league they do like jackets, pilot jackets, yeah. whatever. What do you give this? Out of ten. Out of ten. That's that's gotta you know, be a player nine. of the game helmet. Eight or nine. Hey, I get an eight. For okay. sure, no, thank you. Continue. Um, uh, well, we we're just getting into our forward. You know, we uh, off of Matthew Fairburn's latest article from the Athletic, kind of line roster projections for the season for the Sabers. Uh, we just got done with the forward groups. Uh, we're getting into the defensive groups now. Um, I think that's where it's a lot of intrigue, right, with the new pieces. Yeah. So I, I mean, I guess I, I I wonder in terms of the lines we went through and what we at least sort of agreed on. If you. Uh, if you have any disagreements, I'm just going to read out the four lines and see if you see if you think anything different. So obviously, first line, 
Tage, centering Skinner and Tuck. Uh, second line, given that Jack Quinn is down, Cousins, centering Paterka and Middlestat. I think Middlestat potentially deserves that opportunity. Uh, third line, Krebs, centering Greenway. And now that he's still there, Victor Olofsson. Uh, fourth line, Tyson Joe, centering Gergensen and Ocposo. Uh, do you, do you have anything to add? 13th forward. 13th forward would probably be Rusek. I like that. And even to start the year, Savoy. And depending on camp, yeah, it's always good to have surprises. I What about, here's my dark horse. I like that. And, Dwayne, I mentioned this to you before. What about Kulik? Like, I'm really high on him, guys. I think he replaces Olofsson in a way that's more physical and a better all-around game. Well, he would have to beat him out in training camp, right? I mean, you've heard the whispers, right? Like, Yeah, and I, I think that's a that's a discussion you have in late September. Like, if he, if he proves in training camp and the preseason that he's a better version of Olofsson, then you either waive – Victor Olofsson, or you do whatever you can to trade him because you don't want 4.5 million sitting on your bench. Is, uh, is he on our trade block right now, Dwayne? Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, he's not on the draft. I think there were offers on the table at the draft or even before the start of free agency. I but I agree. I heard the same thing. Kevin Adams had a value for him that he wasn't going to budge from, and he didn't budge from it. I, uh, I, 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 mean, I just, like I said, I'm interested for training camp. You know what I mean? I'm going to go to this prospects camp. If my schedule allows, that will be sweet. That just got announced today, right? Yep. The prospect show, uh, prospect showcase is returning to Buffalo. Maybe we can get a little live show down there after, you know what That'd I mean? Be That'd be fun as hell. Yeah. Uh, right, so did a defense. Sorry about that. Nope. No. Show. I'll call you back. Love you. Uh, it's not too bad. We have been playing full tag with them all day. Continue. What, what's the defense looking like? Well, I mean, uh, I think it's pretty obvious what that first pairing is, right? It's obviously Dowling and Samuelson. I don't think you. I don't think you mess with you that, know, right? If it ain't broke, don't fucking fix it, right? Yep. And Samuelson, I think it proved how valuable he is in a team when he's in the lineup. You saw their record when he wasn't in the lineup, and how excited it was. Number, dude. Yeah, he's, it, the, it, he's it, the perfect. He's the perfect compliment to Rasmus Dowling. Yeah, and it's, it makes it even better that. They were taken in the same draft, different types of players. Uh, Samuelson seems like he is the absolute best guy in the locker room. I don't know if Everybody you've seen him. Everyone loves him. Everyone loves him. about him. Like his, his dry humor is like unbelievable. The dude is the most responsible defensive defenseman that we've had in a long time. Uh, that, too. That in he's physical. He's, he's as good of a stronghold as you could possibly want. Yeah. Um, and then that second line, I think, is pretty clear cut too. Uh, the second pairing in Owen Power and Connor Clifton. Yeah, I don't see barring injury. I don't see Eric Johnson sliding into that second. Uh, that's, I, I think that. No, he's a five six seven man. I hate. Uh, I love him, but I just think Dwayne with where he's at with his legs. What do you think? He's a he's a five six guy for sure. Um, yeah, I, I think he's a he's a bubble six. But given well, like what if, again, what if he comes out and has a great camp? Dwayne could be right. Maybe he just has that click with power. You know what I mean? That could I, I, I don't think there's any reason he should not be on your third pairing th- this season. Oh yeah. I have him in the lineup. I would just, yeah, I, there's, there's no, there's no way, there's no way he falls out of it unless his game, his game completely takes a, a, a bad, a big nosedive. Um, we, we, we know what we have in Yoki Haru. We know what you have in Babushkin, even though he played a lot injured, I believe last year. 
Um, you know, Stillman, you know, he had some bright spots. The guy's obviously not afraid to, you know, stand up for his teammates fight. That's a good seventh defenseman to have. Yeah. So for me, it's Eric Johnson and who? I, I mean, it really comes down to who is the better camp, right? Yoki Haru or Labushkin. I Somebody's think- getting traded. Somebody's getting traded. There's and no way you're carrying this many. I, I, I mean, Fairburn, Fairburn brought it up. Like, the guy with the highest trade value is, without a doubt, Yoki Haru. Yes, I agree. I don't think Yoki Haru is going anywhere. I. You guys really true. think Labushkin and, and Jack Johnson can play and together? Aaron Johnson? Yeah, sorry. I'm so sorry. I, I, I do. That's I mean, it, like, I, I would say that's not a bad third pairing. Like, I'm, not, saw, I'm, not agreeing. I'm just saying, I, I think. We saw what Labuskin can do, right? He's got a he's a very physical presence. He has a pretty good shot from the point. Yeah, uh, he does have like a little bit of offensive upside when he really when he, he really wanted to. And he's going to play, it's good. Yeah, and and Eric Johnson is that responsible stay at home defenseman that you want. He's been in the league for 15 years. He's won a cup. He was a former number one overall pick. He can mentor Darlene and Power in a way that like not a lot of other guys could. Uh, I think having. Having so him in the room and carrying Yoki him. Haru. What's his upside, Dwayne? Yoki Haru, he's not a guy. I mean, he, he can carry the puck out of the zone, but he's not. That's not the guy you want carrying the puck out of, out of the zone. I mean, he's a, he's a good puck mover. He's a good puck mover, he right? Move like, the puck. Yeah. But what do you want out of your 5'6"? Sorry, go ahead, Dwayne. He's not physical, um, so you can't really expect that from him. And what bugs me about, about Henry is – I see a little Rasmus wrist aligning it when it comes to his decision making, or um, his awareness in front of the net. Yes, exactly. Yeah, like, like, what about Labushkin? Don't you see a little bit there too? Sometimes he has some fuck ups. He jumps into play when he shouldn't. They both have that in their game. No, I, I think I, I think we I think there's more there's more to be desired right now from Labushkin because we not we didn't actually get a full season from him, a healthy season. What was the injury, Dwayne? I, I'm sorry, I'm I'm ignorant on that. He blocked Pardon? a lot of shots. Yeah, I know he did. I just was I wasn't ever aware of yeah, what I mean after he had a season he had what a, they name what it was. He had an ankle, he had a yeah. hand, yeah, uh, yeah. He had a he had a leg injury. Uh he had a lot of he stuff. He was like banged that. up. He was I banged, knew he was up, banged up, but that's fucking real banged up. Yeah, that's like a, that's like a double all nighter at Vegas banged up. You he know what I mean? Three, yeah. He had three different injuries last season. Damn. Yeah. Well, you're right. That, so that brings up a good point. I mean, what does a healthy Labushkin look like, and how does that last pair fill out? I think, too, like, what if um, what's it called? What if Clifton comes in? It's just all world. And I don't know. I think Donnie's good. Who And, and, and the assistant coaches that are handling the, the back end have done a good job. I just wonder, the way you guys talked about it was great. Who like Darlene Samuelson? Like, who is that for Owen Power? And I think organizationally, you have to think about satisfying like the Darlene's, the powers of your organization, right? I mean, it's got to be Clifton, given what you paid for paid for him. Yeah, I think it's Clifton. No I, doubt about it. I mean, if it's, not, that? if it's not Clifton, it's Eric Johnson. But I think the clear cut choice between those two, it's Connor Clifton. Yeah, yeah. Logic. He, 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 he hits everything that moves. He plays an honest game defensively. He's not gonna, he's not gonna wow you offensively. But last season, he was a twenty-point scorer. As I liked him in Boston as a third-pairing defenseman. He was really powerful. A third-pairing defenseman guy, Pevinson, who didn't get any power play time, had twenty points. So 
He was good on their kill, though, too, Dwayne. Yes. Like, I remember him yes. getting – He did. you're right. He didn't get special team times up power yes. play, but he killed a lot, and he was great. So I would expect playing with a much bigger talent in Owen Power, given more opportunity, more ice time. I wouldn't be surprised to see that number jump up 10, 10 15 points. I mean, He's definitely he going to ice is gonna go up this year. Huh? His average time on ice is going to go up a yes. couple, like a minute this year. I'm not saying he's going to get power play time. He probably won't. You know, but he, like he, sixty jumping from 12, 13 to sixteen is a jump. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's a huge jump every night for sure. Um, and look, I mean, like these guys, like they're not going to be perfect. Like it's not the best defensive unit in the league. But like all you can ask for is better than last year, and that gets into the discussion of like over under. 250 goals against like last well, year they gave up the goaltenders a big part of that i think that, that, that our decor has been we, our goalies haven't helped our decor and vice versa but i think the numbers are skewed when you look at it that way because yeah, i mean if your goalie up, can bail you out like look at aiden hill in the finals he made those saves early in the game and then like he didn't really get tested too much and it allowed vegas to to get up you know what i mean i don't that's a bad example to bring up you guys get what i'm saying yeah, absolutely. But like they gave up 300 goals last season. Yeah, that's they ridiculous. Scored, they, scored, <laughs> they, scored, they scored 296 goals for, but 300 against. And they were the third. Like, said, they were the third highest scoring team in the league, and they were still a minus get, four. Yeah, so, you're like, a dash four, and you have 296. Something yeah. right. Yeah, um, and, and leave me my next question too is, and I and I put it in the title of the episode: over under 250 goals against for the Buffalo Sabers. I mean, I think anywhere from 250 to 275 is fine. Can I ask a caveat to that question? Like, okay. if Devin Levi plays close to 50 games, I'd say under. Yeah, I would. I would say under too. I would um, say under as you, well. And you'd hope that the defense supports him in the way that you need him to, right? Like, they would even be way more responsible than they already would have been, given that it's a rookie goaltender. Well, not quite a rookie. He, you got to remember, like, he gets that those couple games last year, but just to be in the room, right? For and sure. Like, that, I think, I think that, that, that those seven games were invaluable. Him and know, like, oh, fuck, dude, this kid's a stud. And to have, like, we know him personally. Like, I, and he's the type of kid that's not going to not work. He's going to only make himself better and make everybody else better. I think we have a bright spot. And not, nothing against UPL, but you got to remember, Right after his best year, he won goalie of the year in the OHL. He had double hip surgery. Devin is healthy, knock on wood. I think he makes this an under. I'm taking the under all day, Dwayne. Yeah, and here's a, here's another thing with me, too, is I, we've talked about in our chat. I, I said I am not a UPL stand. But I think given that the expectation is defensively and five-on-five, five, you're going to be better. The role UPL will be playing will be more consistent. You're, I, I assume, I mean, we don't know what's going to go on with Comrie, but assuming that Levi and UPL, it's their jobs to lose, you know, going into camp. There's going to be more confidence there for Uko Pekka And I think that's, I think up here is his biggest issue. I don't think it was really much health last year. Up here was his biggest issue. Yeah, um, you, you saw moments of him being himself again physically. I, I'll give you that. But yeah, it wasn't you know what I mean? like, enough, and that goes back to what you said. It's up here. Good point. We we were talking to Jury the other day, and Jury said flat out, he goes, he goes, you know, the guy who calls for the Guelph Storm. He goes, every single week, there was a new highlight reel save, top five saves, 
and UPL was always near the top. The guy was in days in Sudbury? Uh, back when he was in the uh, – Yeah, Sudbury. Yes. He, so, he, he dominated that league. And trust yeah. me, that is not a goalie-friendly league. Just watch any of my former games. And I got lit up. Like, he was so good. But doing that, that even proves my point, dude. That double labrum surgery is a death sentence for goalies. I hate to say this. I had a, a kid. He obviously wasn't going to go pro, but he had already had D3 talks at 19-18. Like, maybe would have went, like, low-end D1, like, Atlantic division. Like, but... He had double hip surgery at 19. Career over, Dwayne. Done. Yeah, it's, it's Same not something you come yeah. back for. Your hips are so crucial, and so, we have three goalies in this chat. We all know. Like, yeah, I just, I'm just wondering, given that it happened when he was so young, if that was the best possible scenario for that type of surgery, I right? I don't think there's any best possible. No, no, no. But like, given that it did happen when he was as young as it was, as he was, yeah. Like, the, the Sabers doctors clearly wouldn't let him play if he wasn't like physically able to do so. But you got to remember at that point, you're almost trying to keep his medicals a secret in case he is a trade bait down the line. You know what I mean? Like you're not keeping them secret. People are going to know his health, but it's not like you're shopping that information around. I don't know. He's he's already your property at that point from, from a general manager point of view. Like you, you just don't know with injuries. Sometimes guys, it doesn't slow him down. Sometimes so, I, I mean, the thing with him, though, like, at least positionally, like, I thought he moved well last season. Like, with a double hip surgery, I guess the, the biggest thing would be, like, moving across your net, like, getting side to side. Like, we see how good Levi is at that. I think UPL's strength last season was some of the highlight reel saves he made. I think he got beat way too, far too often with, like, actual shots from the slot or coming down the wing or rebounds or anything like that. I thought – when you look at him as a goalie, like he moves pretty well, especially for a guy who had double hip surgery less than two years ago. Yeah. yeah. I just think Dwayne hit the nail on the head. Like you got to have that every night. And if you don't, like he's not an NHL goalie, you know what I mean? I hate to say it. Can he regain that form? I don't know. Well, like, I guess, I guess the good thing. Not a UPL guy. I think it's Devin's crease. I think that's. No, yeah, I, don't don't even, I don't think anybody's arguing that it's Devin's not, but I think he'll, I think UPL will thrive more given the he'll know his role going into the season did you just fart out of your mouth no i just had a tickle in my throat um what did you say i i think he's gonna he knows his role going into the season you know we, there was four goalies essentially in the rotation last year once devin got came into the picture you know devin being given the you know, given the being given the wheel at the end of that year with playoffs on the line. I mean, how do you question whether or not he's the starting goalie? Starting goalie. He's not. Uh, he is. Devin's the starting goalie. Sorry. You're, you're driving me nuts right now. <laughs> no, it's, it's back up. It almost yeah. fell like me. That's what I got um, to in my chair. But any, anyways, um, so I think Devin gets no less than 50 stars next season. You're stealing my number. What's wait? Hey, let's play this one. What's over under? Like, what's what's your number of starts that he gets? I'm going 56. I'm gonna go 54. I personally say under, but that's just me thinking that they're gonna be a little bit more conservative than we hope they are, they are with him. I think he performs well. He continues to improve, but I think they're at least hoping for more from UPL. Number one. 
And number two, if it's not him, that they trade for a guy either this summer or before the deadline to give Levi a tiny bit more support than another guy that we hasn't been that reliable so far. Like, also, I think a lot of fans are worried. But I would bet the house on that they do not make a fucking move. It's Levi's crease until we see what happens. I just think it's, that's, that's, that's a bit. I just I don't think it's confident. Anybody. I think the it's people confident. that talk about Addy Hellebuck. You guys need to stop talking over each other. Yeah, call it, yell on Doc. I just think that, like, as confident as we are in Devin Levi, that's a slippery slope. Like, relying relying on a guy who we all are very unsure about, given his injury history and his lack of consistency since he's been in the NHL, as his primary backup, I think is a very slippery slope going into a season where it's playoffs or bust. I I, I don't disagree, but I feel – I guess I'm. I guess I'm in the minority that I feel comfortable with those two as your goalies next year. I just do. Yeah, I just I do. Those are two solid. I'm, I'm slightly less than comfortable. Slightly. I, I just. I, I think what? that, you know, knowing what we know about Devin, you know, Cully mentioned earlier. Personally, we know him. You know, all the stuff you hear about him, it's true. Like off the ice, he's the, the guy. Best ever. He 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 is a maniac about his diet. He is a maniac about stretching, like everything about him, how he takes bro, care of his body. Bro, Wayne. He, like literally, man, he, like he treats the way, you know, he doesn't put garbage in his body. He's constantly training. Um, I, I, I think he's built to be a guy that and, and here. And here's the thing. If they didn't have that type of confidence in them from day one, they wouldn't have ridden him when the season meant the most no, for sure at many games in a row. So I see that given that he has that experience now and going into the season with a much better expected team in front of him, at least defensively, I put him at, at no less than 50 starts. I just, I, that's how I feel. I think that's your horse. You're going to ride your horse. You know, this might not be the old days of the NHL where you got Marty Brodeur starting 70 something games a year, but at his age, uh, his type of confidence. You saw it after that Rangers game, where is the right? Yeah, the Rangers, where you know he let in six and he was all smiles afterwards. Like you know, what I mean, like you got to face adversity every once in a while. He's not the type of kid that's gonna let a bad goal or a bad game get the better of him. He's gonna come out short memory next game, ready to go, zero zero. Let's get let's let's so- get after it. I just think it's worth having the discussion, given that we know that UPL is not the goalie of the future. Like, we're all very confident that Devin Levi is the goalie of the Sabres future for the, hopefully the next 10 to 15 years. Yeah. So UPL t- potentially still has some upside. And you have 10 NHL defensemen or 10 defensemen who played in the NHL last season. Why not potentially use those assets that you're not going to use for the future to potentially bring a guy in to Who back him up that you're more confident in. Who? I Give say me a name, and then I'll have the hypothetical with you. John Gibson. Yeah, I'd, t- I'd take Gibson for 100%. Give him UPL and a fifth. But I think he's going to cost a lot fucking more than that. Uh, how about UPL, Yoki Haru, a fifth, and they send a prospect back? Fine, done. Take it. I think 75% of Sabres fans, maybe even more. Listen, but if, you, if, you, if you do that in a bowl, you bring in a guy and how UPL was brought in, I think you got to give Levi a chance first, though. No, no, but, but I'm not, I'm not, I'm not bringing in John John Gibson to be the starter. 
I'm bringing in John Gibson to maybe go Levi 45 and Gibson 40, 40, 40 35. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I, however, it would work out. I think it'd be an interesting crease battle. That it, listen, as a GM, that's going to motivate Levi. Adams will agree. If he can make his team better, he will. I would love to have John Gibson. Are you kidding me? Uh, I think that with Devin's the type of kid that you know he might might uh, it might bug him, but it's only going to make him work harder. Like Dwayne said, you the really kid is, is a pro's pro, and I I believe in him. I really do. You do. Think, do you think that would bug him? Bringing in John Gibson? Yeah, fuck yeah. yeah. I think, but I don't think he would. He would be public about it. I think he would internalize it into working harder. Honestly, I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't think that bugs him. I don't think that bugs him one bit. I it, think I think he uses that as motivation. Yeah, that's what I just said. But like, not in a bad way, though. Like, yeah, I think it doesn't he, have to be bad. It's like, uh, hey, you're gonna bring another guy. I'm gonna be better. Than doesn't matter who you bring in. It's internal competition. The kid's yeah. been dealing with it his entire career. And also, it's a it's a mentor. Like John Gibson was one of the best young goalie prospects to come into the league in a long time. Yeah, I played against him for three years. I know he was a year younger than me, and he came right from the U.S. development program. Played played these three years in Kitchener. And my last two years, I was in his in, in his conference. Um, he was he, he talk about a guy that tore the OHL up, but he was nasty. He's good. And how much gas does he get left, guys? I think it's the best possible scenario. I really yeah. do. I'm it's surprised he's surprised he's still in Anaheim. I, I can't believe there he's is already an said he's not gonna he's not gonna play that. for Anaheim. Huh? You already said he's not gonna play well, for Well, no, him. that's that that's actually I, I thought it happened already, though. You're right. No, no, that's you. actually that's actually allegedly a lie. Frank Cervelli said that reported that John Gibson said that he will never play another game for Anaheim. John Gibson and his agent came out that same day and said, we never said those things ever at all. It's literally directly from him and his agent. I'm sure you'll probably find it on Twitter. It was yeah. literally right after Cerevelli said that. But you got to think that he's fed up, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, who wouldn't be? Who wouldn't be? Like but he's been on one of the worst defensive teams for a long time. They did get better. They did get a little here. better. In the yeah. offseason, they didn't go get Racco Gudas, which, I mean, you can't deny that's going to help your team defensively. Makes you a lot tougher, that's for sure. But that team's like, I wanted Racco for us, guys. I'm not going to lie. I really did. Yeah. I'm not, not just upset about Clifton. I wanted Racco Gudas in the worst way. Yeah. yeah. Would have been great. I just think that, like, a, 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 a European defenseman like that with the group that we have that's as tough as he is, he would have been great for our guys. I agree. I, I, don't I, I think what oh, we got is, is pretty good. Um, I don't know. I just think that it's a missed opportunity if they don't use their assets to improve the room, right? Like, I think I think we all know. Your hypothetical, like, was a light hypothetical. I think Gibson Anaheim's going to hold out for something better. I don't. I don't think they're going to get a better deal than that. Wait, would you take that trade? UPL and a fifth and Yoki Haru for. What what else? What what was the deal you you said? It, it was UPL, Yoki Haru, and a fifth for Gibson, and maybe a sixth for Anaheim. How much? How much? How much money is Gibson making right now? I'll look it up, but I can't be more than. Six. I think I think that I think Anaheim takes that if Buffalo retain you know retains the entire sale. You know what I mean? Like there yeah, has they, they have the room, huh? They have the room to do that. Yeah, you'd have to take on his entire salary. He's making six four. And for how much longer? Uh, let's see. Six four. John Gibson's until 26, 27. 
There's no fucking way I'm paying him to. And he's got him out of fight, no trade clause. No way am I paying John Gibson six point four million a year. Yeah, so, dude. No way. No way. Nope. Not I pass. I, I did. I stand where I did before, man. I. It's definitely if, my if you can't I'm a team. Sure, we'll talk about that. that. Dwayne, would you take it if they retained half some way, somehow? Yeah, 100%. 100% right? 100%. There's no way I'm paying him $6.5 million. Well, I think, I think they're in a rebuilding position that they absolutely would do that. Who, Anaheim? Yeah. Yeah, oh, for sure. Yeah, if they're if they're willing to retain retain half that salary, yeah, I'm all over that for sure. But I'm not I'm not paying John Gibson $6.5 million a year. Oh, that's that's a discussion. No way. That's a discussion you have, though, because you're getting a young goalie prospect who potentially could be good down the line to pair with Stolarz, who they currently have. Not a fucking uh, I think he's at the point now where what's UPL ceiling? Maybe he could be a good. I, I don't know. I think that ship sailed him being a true one A. Don't you guys? Yeah. I yeah, I agree, and that's why it's like maybe you try to get something for him. Yeah, I just think we'd have to probably add something. To and that, I, Yoki Haru in there. Yeah, well, but even if it's not Yoki Haru, maybe it's like one of your other prospects. Maybe, maybe it's Rosine, and you get a prospect back from the Ducks. I'm just but saying, it, like, using the surplus that the Sabres haven't had in a long time to potentially yeah. improve your goalie room in a season where it's playoff or bust should be a priority. Yeah. So yeah, that makes sense, though. That makes sense. Yeah, I'm confident. I'm confident, I, Levi. I, I'm I confident in Levi, but I'm not confident in So I think you you do whatever you can to improve that backup spot. So I have met 54 games. Johnny, you said 56. And I, I say closer to like 48. 48? Okay. Well, it's kind of all over the board there. I asked over over under 50. Two for over, one for under. Uh, asked earlier, goals against. Two uh two fifty or over under two fifty. Everybody agreed under two fifty. Um, I think that would be the expectation with better goaltending and better defensive, you know, slash five on five slash penalty killing. Team D, team D right? Team yeah, I, I think that's right. the big that also is the big thing, penalty killing. It has to get better. You have yeah. to be able to kill the kill penalty. Hey, you know what the best way to be a better PK team? Take less penalties. Exactly. Also, also win more faceoffs. Yes, when face-offs, that helps too. Um, Just Ryan O'Reilly. Goals four. Goals four, 296. Can Buffalo keep up with that pace this night, this coming season? I personally say under. <laughs> I think 275, and I still think they'll yeah. do well. I just think I, I think I think there crazy. is a bit of regression coming from, from uh, the goal hey, score. How about this, Hurls? What if they have the breakout season we've been hoping for? Then I don't think it's like out of the realm of possibility. But yeah, I say under. I'm too. I, I would say I'll put, I'll put the number at two sixty five. Two sixty five. Over. 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 I'll take over that. Over two sixty five, but under two ninety six. Yeah, I'm with that. I agree with that. And um, like, I think they'll, they'll be happy. Let's say, like, let's say they get two seventy and they allow two forty five. You're still a plus thirty five team. Tage Thompson right. over okay. under ninety five points. Over. What was he? What was his total this year? Uh, I think he had ninety. He had ninety two this year, and he was hurt. He was hurt. 92 and what, 72 games, something like that. He missed a call. I don't think he missed 10 games. No, I, I think he had I think he had 79 games. Okay. Yeah, so but he was but he was games. hurt. He was hurt. I like say that, yeah, I say over a hundred. 
I say, I say over. I say, I say, hits the hundred. You know, I say he gets a hundred points for the a Sabers player. will get a hundred points this season for the first time since yeah. Lafontaine and Mogilny both did it. He season. had he had ninety four in seventy eight games. I right. got Jeff over sixty five points. Middle stat? No, Jeff Skinner. Oh, uh, Jeff Skinner. Yeah, I mean, I I think so too. He was almost a point per game player last year. Um. You get 82 games from a healthy Tage Thompson, he's easily hitting 105. Yep. I think I, – dude, he was in the MVP – like, he was in the MVP talks last year. You know, obviously, we know who ran away with it pretty early. It was McDavid, yeah. but – And I – I think MVP is the most valuable player to your team. Not the league, to their team. And if this team finally breaks the playoff drought and – Tage Thompson goes out there and has a 110-point season. How do you deny that he is not the MVP? For sure. And I, I, I don't think it's unreasonable to expect 90 from Tuck and 82 from Skinner. Would you say 35 goals over under for uh, Alex Tuck? I would say right around 35, maybe probably over. Um, if this line continues to develop their chemistry and stay together and work, and obviously those three guys are on the power play unit too, Um I, I I think a 35 and 50 season from Tuck is reasonable to expect. Hell yeah. Over under 50 points, Owen Power. Oof. I'd say under, but I got over. I got him at 54 this year. I think he gets I think he goes over. Um I think that he wasn't really let off his offensive leash um last season. I think that not having the consistency in a D partner every single game hurt him. Yeah. I mean, 30, 35 and 79 games. Like that's pretty good for a rookie season. So that's yeah. I think it's ain't no stretch to bump. Yeah, that and he also, he also gained a, like he had four goals, but he had, I think he had two, two goals in two games and he started yeah. to develop his scoring touch towards the end yeah. of the season. So yeah, no, it's not out of the question. It's definitely not. Uh, I think Darlene easily could get 90. Yep, I think I, I put Darlene. I, I I would get say over under eighty five. I would go over. I would too. I think he Darlene's an all star again next year, so I think I gotta have him over that. Over eighty five. Yeah, I, I think the way that this team values his offensive upside, him on the power play with Tage and Tuck Skinner. Yeah, I think it's. I I think he could theoretically get a hundred. JJ Paterka over under forty five. Over. I put him over as well. I he actually was gonna get 50 there. As long as he gets like, the right usage. You saw how good he was at the world championship. Like I am a huge his fan. name is developing I more and more. Yeah. I thought that was a low number, but I thought it was a modest number 45. No, I bet you, dude, if you went on the batting line, I think it'd be right around there. Yep. And I, uh, I, think, he, I think he could get I think he could get 60. I I agree. Uh yeah. especially well, I don't know about 60. The right line, like if sorry. That chemistry with Jack Quinn won't be there, and because no, they they well together. I think I think Mitz is the perfect replacement. I really do. Oh, yeah. interesting one. What you what do you have for Mitz is over under? Over I mean, under it, over under sixty five for Casey Middlestad. I think if he stays with that line, or he gets more power play time, or even more opportunities with Tage and Talk or Skinner, I think it's very reasonable to expect his ascent continues and he gets over sixty five. So he had 59 points last season, correct? 17 in the last 11 games. 
I'm looking it up right now because I want to. I want to know what his output was. Well, you know, um, he had fifty. He had fifty nine and eighty two. I wrote this down right before we got on here. Yep, um, fifty nine. Yeah, yeah. Fifty nine points. Forty four. Over sixty five. I personally put him over sixty five. Um, he's going to play a lot if he is indeed on he that played second line. Two last year. That's good. Yeah, he's the only one to do it. Yep. So. I uh, I definitely put him at I put him at over sixty five. I think he's going to get some a decent amount of power play time probably on that second unit. Um, I think you roll out your first unit on that first round up uh, with obviously Darlene at the point with probably another forward. I'd imagine, right? I don't think it would be. I don't know if it would be Casey. It would probably think be. Think about this. Middle stat had one hundred thirty five shots. And he also had 16 power play points. I think those are huge indicators that, like, those are all career highs, big, big jumps and everything, especially with the short season the year before. I think I think you guys are right. I think it's over, man. I mean, yeah. your your power play one is Darlene at quarterback, Tage on the left, Skinner on the right, and then Tuck and Cousins down low, right? Correct. So not, I don't I don't know what our, our setup's going to be. I'm not going to pretend to know. But that's what they did do when they were healthiest last season. I think so you, you put you put your you put your five best players on the ice, and Dude. that and that power play was the best, one of the better in the power plays in the league when they were healthiest. So right. then on power play two, you put power, um, you put power at quarterback, Olafson on the right. Um, then oh, it's Olafson on that. I yeah, mean, then it's, right. I guess, Middlestat, uh, Paterka, and maybe Krebs. You got a plethora of guys there to pick from. I and mean, that's not a bad, that's not a bad second unit. You could, you could name another, your third unit would be still good too. I think that's a good, it's a good yeah. sign. For the I don't think, I don't think they, they go too tomorrow. far deep, but then you have the option when Quinn comes back, put him in there. Maybe he's been a power play player his whole life. I'm not saying he's going to jump right in, but dude, like we got skill, like a lot of skill coming through. It's as as much skill as they've had probably since 2011. So, 2007 to me. Yeah, I mean, and that penalty kill is going to be better too. Um, As we talked about, Connor Clifton is a very good penalty killer. Uh, Samuelson is obviously a great defensive defenseman. Um, You have Gergensons, you have Jost. I think Cousins is a good penalty killer. Uh, Krebs can play penalty kill. You have a lot of guys you can slot in there. So, Obviously, as we talked about, options. There's some still names out there. Uh, not not to rush into it or you know get ready to wrap up here, but uh, there's still some other names out there in free agency too uh, that we've seen uh, kind of floated around. The biggest name being Eric Carlson, uh, most rumored to probably go to Pittsburgh. Well, that would that would have to be a trade, right? Yes, I'm sorry, free agency. I apologize. Free agent, so you know, biggest guy still out there on the block would be Tarasenko, uh, Patrick Kane. But Kane is, you know, probably going to hold out until training camp when he's injured. I mean, probably even later than that, from what I hear. I don't. We'll see. Um, that article, the article that came out in ESPN, Wyshynski wrote wrote one up. Basically, interviewed his agent. He basically says he's going to take as much time as he need needs to get hundred percent healthy and yeah. then he's gonna have his pick of the litter of who he wants to join. Yeah. So um, this written, what about what about uh Matt Dumba? Did he sign yet? Nope Matt Dumba's still out there available. Uh I think the Sabres are about done adding on defense though. Yeah I, I don't see, 
What'd you say? Patrick Kane. We'll see. I mean, we'll see. And I think a realistic target, I think Tarasenko is out of the question. Um, I think is a Martin real- Jones an upgrade on UPL? Is who? who? Martin Jones. You get him on the cheap. I don't necessarily think he is. I don't I don't disagree. I just figured I'd float the question since he's still out yeah, there. Yeah, I think the only realistic upgrade, aside from Connor Hellebuck, which is probably not going to happen, over UPL that the Sabres could actually get given what's transpired is John Gibson. Yeah. Um, and then aside from that, a guy, another guy you could bring in, I think we talked about it last time, is Thomas Tatar. Uh, I think he's a guy, a veteran guy, who's proven he can produce. He could play in your middle six, up and down your lineup. He's he would a be a player. good guy to bring in. He's a good player. He's a good 200 so, player, man. Yeah. If you, um, if, you, if you do add right now, I think it's one of those types of guys. Eric, but Eric Carlson to Pittsburgh, does he move the needle far enough forward for that aging group? I mean, in order for them to make another push. I don't want to ever count out Sidney Crosby, so there's always that. But I think you see it with Boston. I think you see closing windows there in Pittsburgh. I think you see them in Washington. So that's a good question, Dwayne. I don't ever I, want to count Sidney Crosby out, though. I, I personally think Carlson is going to end up with the Hurricanes. And that leaves an interesting discussion about Brett, Brett Pesci. Yep. Because they're not going to re-sign him given that they already have Slavin, and I think Carlson comes in there to pair with Brett Burns again. Do you trade for Brett Pesci? Could you imagine that top four? This is what I'm saying. Like, that's the type of thing. You go through a bunch of horny hypotheticals. Uh, no, but no, Brett Pesci's been rumored to go to the Sabres for a while. And yeah, like, they, 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 have have called, they have called on him. You, you, you think about the connections that Adams has to that organization – you think about the role that Brett Pesci would fill. That's absolutely your top four with Darlene, Samuelson, Power, and Brett Pesci. And then you put Clifton with Eric Johnson. And that is a bona fide top six. I mean, top six. That's a bona fide defensive core. Like, yep. that is almost as good of a defensive core in the entire league, let alone like. Take it easy. It is. <laughs> Yeah, it is like that is on legit. paper is a lot different and than on the ice. And there's some good teams out there. I mean, Brett Pesci, Vegas's gold, Matt Vegas Gold Knights, their back end, hundred percent. I'm I'm with you. I'm just saying, like you put. I think he's saying that's their best, the best group in the I NHL. Agree. I would love to add those pieces. I think I think we can. But there's, there's a couple of really cool hypotheticals that all we are is. When, that one defenseman, like I, I always thought, Seth Jones, that would have been an interesting one too. Here, here's a. I was listening to to Spit and Chicklets today. Um, they had Dan Girardi on, who is with the with the Sabers. Um, obviously, Iron Man defenseman. I think warrior, the absolute warrior. I think he might be NHL all time leader and in like insane. I might be block shots. He's he's up One there. Of the guys, heart and soul of the team. But his role on the team is kind of funky. Uh, his, his label on the team is not an assistant coach. He's an assistant to the coaching staff. He doesn't travel with the team, and he tries to make as many home games as he can. So it essentially, sounds like he's like there to practice with the team, and go over video with the defense, which is invaluable. Don't get me wrong, but like, has anyone ever heard of that? Assistant yeah. Coaching staff. I mean, it, it kind of sounds like every organization doing. Is it? Yeah. You, they have different titles. 
But yes, 100%, you have guys that don't travel with the team whose only job is to report to the coaching staff on X, Y, or Z. For him, it's what you just mentioned, right? Yeah, those are a video. With yeah, the it, some teams have bigger staffs than others, but yes, that's normal. The, the guy, the guys on the show, Asana kind of surprised when he went over his role with the team. It's just like they, so. They just, they, but they've been out of the league now for yeah. a bit. Were they really that surprised? Was Biz? Oh yeah, they sounded pretty surprised. They thought I was like, "Wow, man, you guys, you have like the greatest coaching job in the world. You don't travel with the team." Yeah, no, he's got a great setup for sure. I just think it's more common than we think. Yeah. Okay. And that is the dream job, though. Yeah, right. Like, yeah, it sounds. It sounds like Dwight Schrute, like assistant to the regional manager. No, yeah, no, you, know, you just come to home games. You get to go up in the box. You know. Yeah, what I mean? Had a couple hot dogs, whatever. We've talked about it. I I don't think this coaching staff is nearly as as good as it could be. Um, I think I think they had all the pieces to be a lot better within their own organization until they let them walk away. Yeah, it's kind of unfortunate, but like that is is what it is. I mean, I agree. You see what happens. What happens with Pace and Prospel down in the HL, and maybe they are grooming them to come up eventually. Who knows? Yeah, we got. Don't worry, we got Matt Ellis. Well, hey, all, all, all faith, all faith in Donnie Meatballs, and then we'll go from there. I think, I think we all can be happy that Ralph Kruger and uh, Phil Housley and Dan Bilesma and stop it. Ted, You're Ted Newton, you know, I just think that like, uh, we have a good, we have a good coach. We have a good coach that the players love. We can just be happy with that. The only uh, other NHL news uh, over the last forty hours would be. Uh, the Gail Chenyuk uh, news. Yeah, this uh, is personal for me. I'm out on this. You're out on this. I love you guys. Yeah, no comment for me. No, no comments from from uh, Johnny Cullen and Gail Chenyuk. I just hope he's healthy and in good spirits. Well, that's that, that's, that's we're not we're not we're not here we're not here to shit on Alex Gail Chenyuk. I know. I just had a tough day with Gail. That he came out with a statement today apologizing to fans and I read it. People here. It was you know. Accepted accountability, and he entered the program, the player assistance program, which is good. Should have been there before. He, yeah. I just wish – all I'll say is this. I take that back. That's wrong of me to say. I hope Alex gets back to being a healthy, happy Alex because he was fun to be around, and he was like a little brother to me. Uh, and he was Yakupov's interpreter. So a lot, of, a lot of good, fond memories with him. It hurts to see him in this situation. So – it's on me, but I, I got to go. I love you, boys. I'll let you finish this story up. All right. Uh, that was Johnny Cullen uh, making his, uh, you know, rare appearance, I guess, as of late. But, uh, um, yeah, Gail Chenyuk entering the Players Assistance Program. Um, kind of, I mean, he's been a little bit of a suitcase around the league. You know I mean, yeah, he's I mean, played on so many different teams. Yeah. Like, you you know got to I mean? think that, like, gets you mentally, right? Well, that, and I mean, I guess Johnny has maybe a little more detailed information from playing of them in juniors, but um, good to see him get the assistance that he's, you know, he accepts it. Well, number one, accepting accountability, you know, not, not playing the victim, accepting accountability. That's big. Um, whether that's a PR move or his own personal move. I read the statement. Yeah, I mean, I, I read these statements all the time because yeah. this is the type of story that we do. That was one of the better statements I've read. I agree. I and I, um, you, you can you can make it sound as genuine as, as it want, and everyone's going to say it's just for PR. But, like, you can he tell had, he wrote that. He had to know that he really messed up. And yeah. uh, I think it gets to the point where it's, 
your your career is going to go one way or another at this point, right? Like you're either going to accept accountability and get help and change your ways and realize you have a problem and accept it and try to work on it, or your life is going to spiral down into a very dark path. So it seems like he's at least working towards the former, and that's the best thing you can help for. And we've seen other players enter that program too, Carey Price, Spencer Knight, now Alex Galchenyuk, like, you know, it's just good I, that it's there, and it's actually one of the best things the NHL does. So, And, I, you know, I hope that, you know, given that statement, and yeah, I, I can tell that it was genuine and that he wrote it himself. It wasn't dictated to him by an agent or anything like that or something for PR. Like, he, he truly meant it. I hope that he, when he gets out and, you know, as Johnny st- stated, that, you know, he's a healthier version of himself and happier, that he does catch on to another team and maybe get another chance because everybody deserves a second chance. And – we don't know what types of demons he's dealt with throughout his life. You know, we all know people in our walk and different walks of life that have dealt with things that we didn't necessarily know were privy to or knew about. You know, I know I have, I don't know what you, I'm, I'm assuming you have, you know, I think we all have. Um, and thankfully, you know, it took him hitting rock bottom and getting to a really, you know, terrible situation for him to realize that he needed help and, and he's going to get it. And, uh, happy that he's accepting accountability and going to get help and become healthier and a better version of himself. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I think it's a good example for a lot of younger players to, to look at and mm-hmm. realize that being a professional athlete isn't the easiest thing in the world. Like these guys are exposed to a lot of different influences. They are exposed to a lot of pressure. Um, of course, money's money, but at the end of the day, like if you're not happy, and you're facing a lot of different in, inward demons, like yeah. you can go down a really, really dark path. So, and, it, and it, he even it, said it, you know, the decisions he made and the mistakes he made are preventing him from doing the thing that he loves the most. And that's playing hockey. You know what I mean? You know, granted, yeah, he's not going to get, it's not going to have a paycheck. Sure. But he wants to play hockey because that's what he loves. Yeah. No, I think he'll, he's young enough that given that he's addressing this now, he'll be able to figure it out and hopefully he'll be better off for it. Agreed. So, who else was in his draft year? The Galchenyuk draft year. Yeah, what, what year? I almost want to say that might have been the Gergensen's year, 2013. No, I don't know. I think it might have been. He might be even younger than that. So yeah, I don't know. If it, if it was 13, then it's Ekblad and Sam Reinhart, and oh maybe no, I could be wrong on that. But either I, way, I, I, I actually it might have been the Ristolainen draft year. I'll look right now. Alex Galchenyuk, age. 29, he was drafted in – he was a third overall pick in 2012, actually. So, players ahead of him, I can't remember, in 2012. Yakupov. That was the nail Yakupov draft. Oof. Yeah. Yakupov, Galchenyuk's number three. Sabres take Gergensen's. It was the Gergensen's draft then, okay. Yeah. I want to say the Sabres might have even had two first-round picks that year. They t- they didn't, but they took Jake McCabe um, in the second round. Okay. Or maybe they did have two first-round picks. Either way. Um, yeah. Uh, it would have been actually the, the year they might have had two, I think. Oh, no. They, yeah, they took Gregorenko and Gergensen's. Yeah. Yes, Gregorenko. Correct. Yeah. Um, played junior hockey for uh, Patrick Wall. Ramparts. Yep. Uh, Patrick Wall was head coach. And then – I want to say the following year, the year after that, was the year that uh, we took both Zadorov and Ristolainen in the same draft. Yes. So, 
But I got uh, any final thoughts? I think we've just about covered it. Um, I think as we continue to get into the summer, we'll have a bit of a clearer picture of what's going to happen. I mean, this is kind of a dead time in the league. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, NFL training camp is starting soon. So like the NHL is really, really going to be out of the news cycle. I just at least hope there are some moves made or at least there are some rumors or biggest news that could possibly happen for the next two weeks are uh, the Darlene and power Darlene and power extensions. Yeah. I think everybody's Which kind of, I think we're, that. we're getting closer and closer for that to becoming a reality. Um, well, initially it was reported that it would happen on July 1st. And obviously, yeah. And like right now, I think they're just hammering out legal details. Yeah. Um, I think uh, definitely towards the end of July, it's more and more of a possibility. And once those get figured out, they're going to have a better idea of their cap, better idea of potential trades they could make, who they're going to ship out, who they could bring in. Um, because as much as we potentially could be at least confident, this will be the opening night lineup on October 12th against the Rangers. I don't necessarily think it will be. So on as we sit right now, I think we would lean more that it will be, that it won't be. But I definitely still think there's, you never know, man, Kevin Adams phone, you know, he might not be actively looking for somebody right now, but somebody could always call him. If the opportunity presents itself, I think he will always try to make the team better. And I think he could absolutely do that in the middle to bottom six and at the backup goalie position. So, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll see what happens. Um, Yeah. Uh, What's today's date? Today is the it was just seven one six day. So today is July eighteenth. The eighteenth. So obviously July eighteenth, getting closer to August. I don't know how many days uh, closer to the start of the season. Can't wait. Can't wait. Uh, personally, I can't wait for the prospects challenge. Um, but with that being said, uh, stay tuned for next week, episode one hundred thirty three. We will be joined by. Sabres alumni and host of the After the Whistle podcast, Andrew Peters, will be joining us next week, Tuesday. And uh, sooner, doubt, sooner rather than later, Matthew Fairburn, who we discussed his article uh, tonight on the show, he will be joining us too at some point, hopefully here fairly fairly soon. So, But next week, Tuesday, big announcement, Andrew Peters will be joining the show for a second time. Uh, and maybe we'll touch on some of the stuff we talked about today. Uh, and, you know, we have some, you know, more some questions more gauged towards him and his career too uh you know can't wait to talk to him so uh, remember this is brought to you by outlet liquor the place to buy a case over on george urban boulevard uh the place to buy a case outlet liquor telling the boys from two goalies when mike sent you and please remember to subscribe to us on apple Podcasts, spotify youtube or wherever you get to listen or watch your podcast subscribe to us there i'm sure we're on those platforms Pearls, it's always a pleasure, bud. Um, it is getting close to my bedtime. I know it's uh, only it's not even seven o'clock where you are, right? It's what yeah, it's- but believe me, man, I'm tired. Yeah, me too. So uh, I'll let you. We'll talk to you guys next week when we're joined by Andrew Peters, and you guys enjoy the rest of your night. Go Sabers! Hey everybody, this is Dwayne from Two Goalies One Mike, a show where we give you a behind-the-mask coverage of the greatest sport on earth, whether it be happening right here in Buffalo or around the hockey world. Now you might be thinking, hey Dwayne, why would I want to hear what you two idiots have to say about hockey? 
Well, first of all, rude. Second of all, we bring in coaches, players, analysts from your favorite programs from ESPN to Sportsnet to TSN. We're always on it. If you're a Sabres fan or just a hockey fan, you can download us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. And of course, you can check us out at trainwrecksports.com or the Dean Blundell Podcasting Network. Thank you for your support, guys, and I'll hang up and listen. Do, did, will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Cryer Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holawati from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Cryer Media Network. The Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jagged Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundle from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network.